Welcome to Valley Community Church. Our Sunday sermons are available online to help you grow in your Christian faith. Our messages are practical and applicable truths from the Bible for today's life challenges. And now, Senior Pastor David Schmaltz. I want to dig into the Bible. Probably a good idea to do, right? Let's do some, do some Bible stuff, being in church and all. And what I want to do is I'm going to look at John chapter 15. And uh, the fun thing about this is I've been meditating on this for the last two and a half weeks. And just in really doing, digging in, and I don't always get a chance to do that because when you're preaching every weekend, you know, got to keep it hot and good, right? Got to keep it coming. But so having this time to really dig into John chapter 15 here is, is, was so rich. And I want to share that with you today. You know, when reading scripture, I love focusing and really meditating on the words of Jesus as he taught his, his disciples. That's a very intimate time. We get a, we get a chance to kind of sit in and listen to this conversation, and obviously it's being recorded by the disciples in various ways. Wish we could have gotten it all. John remind us, reminds us that there was a whole lot more said, and, uh, but we get what was really kind of the cream of those conversations. And what I find is that Jesus is so careful to teach in such a wonderfully simple way. He uses symbolic and simple language to describe a very complex spiritual relationship. I don't know about you, but I need that. (laughs) Sometimes I just need God to break it down for me. Keep it simple, right? Because in the Old Testament, I mean, even though that's a lot of fun, to get into the Old Testament temple and the different things were taking place and, and they give you those, those Holy Spirit goosebumps, you know, and a little shiver down your spine. But sometimes just to break it down is where, where we really live. So I think the simplicity is absolutely showing us God's great love for us because he just wants us to get it, amen? He wants us to get him, What is amazing is that the whole universe revolves around Jesus, and here he is trying to tell these very unenlightened human beings how it all works out, how it all works. He's saying, guys, look, this thing is simple, so here it goes. You get this, and you're going to get it all. For me, God has honed my life message, and for those who have been under the ministry here, you know that I've tried to keep it fairly simple. You've heard it before, what I'm going to share with you today, but I think in a a more unique and maybe from a different angle, what God has placed in my heart and through my life, it becomes even more clear when I travel. And what I mean is, when I get a chance to observe people from different walks of life, and I enjoy doing that, I know you do too, but especially those who have no, what I can observe is having no connection to Christ. And my heart breaks because I see a lack of real joy a real purpose, a real fruitfulness. And I want to shout out, you know, in these places, whether it be at rest stops and restaurants or on the beach or whatever I'm doing, I just want to shout out, you know, put your hope and life in Christ. You can experience such wonderful blessings. See, I took most of my vacation to meditate on what is happening in the world. And these verses just really rose to the top for me. And so I want to read, and I want to break it down for you in the old-fashioned way here. John 15, 1 through 8. Jesus says this. I am the vine, the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes 
so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the words I've spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. And nothing means nothing. I'm, I'm pretty sure in the Greek there. Okay. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that is thrown away and withers, and such branches are picked up, they're thrown into the fire, and they're burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is my Father's glory. I'm sorry, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. All right, I want to break this down today. Let's start with verse 1. So Jesus begins, he's talking his, to his disciples, and he's using this agrarian, he's using this garden uh, vineyard analogy that all of them would have gotten because either they're involved in winemaking processes, which they would have had at, during the time, uh, they would have all been a part of it in some way or observed it. And so this is very simple. This is, this is something that would have, been, it would have been lifted right into their life. It would, it would have been something that we would have all understood, and Jesus would have chosen something very similar to our walk of life if he was here at this time in history. He says, I'm the vine. I'm the true vine, and my father is the gardener. Jesus makes it clear as to who is who when he's talking about this. He kind of wants to set, set the story so there's no confusion as we begin to go. The symbols are being locked in so that we can all understand. The vine is Jesus. The Father is the gardener. And in this example, Jesus will draw attention to the purpose of each of those and ultimately how it affects us. So here we have Jesus. He is the true vine. Okay? So think of vine. So what, when you're taking truth, you're carrying the analogy with it and all of its, uh, its parts. So when we think of a vine, we know that what does a vine do? It gives life. It has sap. It has nutrients. It has the minerals. It takes whatever, it, whatever is needed to make the fruit is going to come through that vine. And so there's several quick things I want to say about there. Folks, there is no other vine. I mean, there should be a big amen right there. There is no other vine. It's not Allah. It's not Buddha. It's no one else. It's nothing else. It's not Scientology. Jesus is the true vine. That is where life is going to flow. The fruit will not grow on anything else. It's not going to grow there. Pure and simple. Jesus is just saying, look, I just want you to let you guys know. You're not going to prosper unless you're connected to me. Okay? This is just verse one, man. We're just getting warmed up. <laughs> he says, and my father is the gardener. He's the one who watches over it. He says, and I got, and, and, and there is interesting, the subordination that is being, you know, placed here. He talks about the vine being, you know, having purpose, but he says, but my father, my daddy, don't count him out. He's the gardener. 
He's watching over this whole thing. And now we've got, the, we've got it set as to how this thing is all going to flow. So let's look at verse 2. And he says this. He cuts off, who? The gardener. Is going to cut off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he's going to prune so that it will be even more fruitful. Now we've observed this. If you've been involved in any kind of you know, vineyards or even with uh, trees, uh, you know you have to do that. You have to prune it back because when all of the energy and the, and the, the, the precious uh, resources are going into just making new branches, it takes it away from the fruit. When we get new ideas, when we try to create new vines, when we try to do other things, it takes away from the fruit. And so the father says, oh, I see, you're connected to my son, and so i got to keep you simple. Because what? It's all about the fruit. Now keep that in mind. Keep that in mind. Store that in your heart. It's all about the fruit. Because that's, I mean, that's what a gardener does. He's just not walking out, man, now look at this place. Man, this is awesome. awesome. So many vines, so green. Right? I mean, I just did a little garden this year, a little box, a little four-by-eight box, and I was enjoying that, watching that. But you know what? I want to see the fruit. I got cucumber plants. I want to see what? Cucumbers. Right? And I did see some. Learned a little bit. But so what we see is the gardener, the father, the God, our God. And that is something that everyone he's been, he's, in his audience, they knew something about. They knew about the father now. And he just said, look, let me establish for you who you have grown up to know and where, what his status is with your life now. Okay? You've got to understand, these are Jews who grew up that could not approach the father. That the, the, the father, they couldn't even say his name. So they used the, 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 the word Yahweh to describe him because it was like, you don't say the name. That's what it literally means. It's just the name. And so, but now he's saying, no, 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 he's a father. But more than that, he's a gardener. And he's going to prune your life. And he's very, very interested in fruitfulness. He's very, very interested in your prosperity. You're prospering in your spirit, soul, and body. He's watching over you. But how do we get to that place? Jesus makes it clear that you are connected to Jesus. Okay? He's interested, again, in one thing. Is the branch bearing fruit? That's the question. Is the branch, if the branch is, then he will attend to that branch so that it will bear even more fruit. And Paul talks about this. He says, man, if you're going through some difficulty in your life, if you feel like, wow, man, what is God doing? Hey, rejoice, because he's pruning. He's pruning. It's when I've observed people who are on this pathway of just really daily misery and just holding on and just getting whatever they can to survive. Wow, I got one grape. So grateful for this one grape. The gardener, your father, is watching that saying, um, no, I want so much more than that for you. 
I want so much. He's watching over. So he's going to come in and disrupt your life. He's going to come and he's going to prune off some things that are, re- that are taking away the sap of Jesus from flowing into your life. He's going to do that. He's going to actively do it. Now you may say, gosh, wouldn't that hurt? Well, it does sometimes a little bit. But in the end, the fruitfulness, fruitfulness makes it all worth it. And if that, that's observed in every part of our life. Every part of our life. A little bit of discipline, a little bit of struggle, a little bit of sacrifice produces exponentially so much more. So the Father will attend to us so that we will bear even more fruit. Do you see it? Yeah, we can see that happening. He wants fruitfulness from us. And Jesus tells us this over and over again in other parables and other stories when he talks about the talents. Healthy things grow and bear fruit. They must, or they're just taking up space and resources. So Jesus talks about here, he says, look, I just want to let you know that those things that are not bearing fruit, and this is hard language, and I'm sure the disciples really sat up when he started talking about cutting things. It's like, well, what, what, what? Who's getting thrown into the fire? He says, those things which are not bearing fruit. Now, don't, don't take this, this parable, this analogy any further. He's not talking about taking Christians and throwing them into hell, all right? It's not what he's saying. But he's wanting us to catch that what happens here, how important it is to God that we are bearing fruit, that how important it is to God that we stay connected to him because what will end up happening if we don't is that there will be a sense of wasting away. There'll be a sense of, I'm not connected to anything, that I'm, I'm, I'm lacking purpose. I'm lacking what? Fruitfulness. I keep coming back to that. Verse three, he says this, and this is just kind of a parenthetical interruption here. You're already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. So Jesus has been speaking to them. He's been teaching them. And he's saying, guys, you already, your hearts have been engaged. You've been walking in faith. So you guys are good naturally the disciples would start again they're getting nervous about this whole cutting thing so he precludes their fears by telling them listen guys you know it's all right you guys are listening and believing what i'm telling you so it is cleaning you you're being pruned the things that are that you guys are willingly yielding yourselves to me you're following me And so you guys are clean. You're good to go. You're already nipped off. All of the suckers, as they call them, by the way, they're nipping, that's being nipped off. And so you guys are a strong, clean vine, or branch, rather, so let's not confuse that, clean branch that is bearing fruit. He says, so you guys are listening. Now, this is transitional. You'll get it. Uh, It's clean, and it's pruned, and you're prepped to bear fruit. So what he's saying is, right now, you're good to go. He's going to come back to reminding them of something here in just a second. And Well, right now, in verse 4. Remain in me. Boom. Boom. It's the key. It's exactly the key. He's saying, look, guys, you're getting it now. You're here on Sunday morning and hearing the word. Right now, you just had devotions, and you're good to go, and you've gotten, you're you're clean. You ever felt that way? He's like, oh, man, it's good worship. Man, it's a great word on grace. Jamie got me all fired up. I'm good to go. I can go out into this world. But Jesus here is saying, look, remain in me. 
Well, that's a, that's a helpful bit of advice there. Because that is where we often live, Christians. And I, hate to, I hate to do this, and I'm guilty of it too, is we go from glory to glory. We go from moment of blessing to blessing. We go from those moments, and sometimes we even do it. We're just like, well, man, that church is kind of, you know, they're... I'm not sure where they're going, so I'm going to go find me another blessing. I'm going to go find me another fire. I'm going to do this. But, it, but what ends up happening is we're missing the point. Because sometimes remaining in him also means remaining in the pruning process. It also means that we're in this for the long haul, and that ultimately God wants to. So check this out. He says, remaining in me, and I also remain in you. So Jesus is saying, look, I'm not going anywhere. Because I'm the vine, and a vine doesn't go anywhere. The vine is anchored in the dirt. The branches are connected to the vine. And however that happens, you know, and this is where the analogy breaks down. It's not like you watch a branch that just says, woo, jump right off the vine. <laughs> but Jesus is trying to say, you know what, with you, that's very possible. Because that's what human beings did and do and have done since the very beginning of time. They had a connection with the Father. So no branch, he goes on to say, can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you are in me. He reminds him, even though you're clean now, it doesn't mean you're going to remain clean if you don't remain in me. Jesus will always remain in them. He's going to remain in us us as is committing that committed to teaching them and prepping them just like them jesus is committed to us but we have to stay with him folks and how do we jump off the vine how do we do it we forget what we've learned we listen to bad advice we get drawn up into the drama of this world. We listen to the God of this world. We listen to people who are being led by the God of this world. And we begin to be drawn away from the vine, and we begin to wonder, why am I drying up? Why am I not producing as much fruit? What's going on here? I mean, six weeks ago, I was connected to the vine. You're not anymore. Remain in him. Why would Jesus mention that if it was not a possibility? We look at this and, and, you know, if we're honest with ourselves, you know what? Yeah, we do it all the time. We do it all the time. And folks, I mean, it's a sobering thing, but it's an absolute truth that we begin to take matters into our own hands. We begin to think, you know what? I'm good, Jesus. I'm good to go. I got what I need for the next 10 years. That little bit of sap, mm, that was good. Now I'm going to go do things on my own. I'm going to go be a traveling branch. Bad news. Not good. You know, so many of the people, you know, uh, the disciples in the large groups, the large groups of people, when they first started coming around, when the food ran out, they left. Because they were thinking, oh man, this is Jesus is good. We're going to have us a wonderful meal tonight. And you know, he makes food. Did you know that? He makes food. Whoa, I've got to follow a Jesus like that. But then one night he says, no, I'm not making the food tonight, guys. Um, 
you need to trust God on your own and, be giving, be, and begin to, I'm, I'm showing you that God is a provider, but now you gotta go and believe God just like I believe God in front of all of you. I'm teaching you, showing you. Miracles run out, they ran out. When they died down and Jesus started saying things like this, pick up your cross and follow me. Oh, they're like, oh, oh, oh well, I'm not into that. Folks, when Jesus even mentions the word cross, in the culture, everybody knew what cross meant. It meant a humiliating. It meant a traumatizing. It meant a life-ending, brutal way to be executed in public in a long, slow, torturous way. So Jesus says, pick up your cross. Huh? What are you telling us to do? He's saying, look, this is not going to be an easy road. Staying connected to the vine is a choice. And the gardener is going to say, oh, you're connected to my son? Good. Okay, let's start pruning away here. Oh, ouch. We need to remove this. Plop. And you know what? The way you've been thinking there, it's got to go. And right there, you've been, you've been walking in that stuff. Got to go. Thunk. And it hurts. But in the end, we look down at the end of our branch and we see this huge cluster of fruit. And we say, wow, look what God has done in my life. Look what God has continues to do in my life. But I got to remind you folks, look, the, it does not produce that overnight. And yet I think we as Christians, we've gotten to this point where we're just saying, okay, I'm going to make a sacrament. And I've heard people pray that, Lord, I'm just going to give this up right now. And, and, and I'm just praying, Lord, for you to do a miracle in my life. And, and okay, so look, I'm not going to get drunk tonight. And so tomorrow I expect a car in my driveway, okay, Lord? So here we go. And then we all freak out when we don't see clumps of fruit sitting in the middle of our life with just one little pruning. Take some time. And so Jesus says something that makes us all a little uncomfortable. Remain in me. Remain has a reference to time in every way, shape, or form. It has reference to time. You're clean right now because of the words I've spoken to you, but remain in me. If you want to move on to fruit. Verse 5. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you're going to bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. When Jesus says something twice, you better listen up. But here's the real point, point, uh, point in what he's driving at for his disciples, who are not unbelievers, by the way. Disciples are supposed to bear much fruit. In some ways, that is how you will know them. Fruit-laden believers, blessed, favored, things going well, children blessing and praising God, finances that are overflowing. Everything that is in you and surrounds you is heaven-laden with fruit. I only got one amen out of that. <laughs> I only got one. And so whoever said, did you say that? Amen, you get it. You get it all. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm playing. Uh, but folks, look. See, negative. Then he goes on the other side. And Jesus, go ne Jesus goes negative on us. And, and I know you don't like that. I don't like it either. 
but he started off with a positive statement by saying, look, you know, you're supposed to bear much fruit. He says, but apart from me, without me, you can do what? Nothing. Really? Nothing? Nothing at all? But doesn't the world do something? Well, in, 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 in truth, they do lots of somethings. They really do. Because we, we see them out there. Creators of Facebook and Twitter. We see the big monies out there. You know, the zeros that just keep going on forever. And we look at that, and they're doing charitable things. They do all these things in the name of humanity. And we look at that, and it does shake us sometimes. I'm going, hmm. They're being really, really fruitful. How do I get there? Don't be deceived. Do not be deceived. Because those are branches that are not connected to the vine. And God tells us and reminds us exactly where those are going to end up. He says, you can do nothing without me. See, what I'm trying to do is close the loop for, here, for you. Because, look, we're, we're intelligent people. And where we're living in this world now is there is lots of somethings that are going on around us. And that is what is deceiving Christians. It's because we're sitting here, Jesus says, I can't do anything without him. But yet I go out into the world and I see a lot of people doing a lot of somethings. Hmm. Can I do this without him? He said nothing, but yet you're seeing some things. Folks, what I'm trying to tell you is do not be deceived. Do not be distracted. And, and the reality is, what is real fruit anyway? Is it having lots of money? I'm glad you agree with me on that because it isn't true. Money given to a believer is just to be used for his glory. Yes, he wants to enjoy us to enjoy it, but often that is a reward of living a fruitful life, and, then, and God entrusts us with that so that we can be able to bless others and be, and be prepared to be kingdom people, okay? But money given to the wicked is going to destroy them. And man, I can prove that over and over and over again. You can do the reading yourself. You know. You know. Truth is, value of fruitfulness, fruit, the value of fruitfulness is established by God and no one else. God is the one who determines what's fruit and what's not fruit. He's the gardener. So if there is some nasty blight growing on a vine, and yet somebody walks up and says, well, look at that, that branch, it, I'm, you know, on the branch. Look at that branch. It's producing fruit. That ain't fruit. That's a blight. I know it's growing, but I'm not eating that. God comes up and says, no, 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 fruit is this wonderful clump of grapes that have come from this. God determines. He's the gardener. So when someone says, God bless parent, Planned Parenthood for what they do, God says, no, I won't. Because that's not fruit in my mind. That's not my fruit, he says. That's the fruit of somebody else's. It's not love. That's not truth. And that's not a blessing ultimately. Verse 6, if you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Now, notice he, he says, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Wow, he's talking to his, he's getting down. He's staying in that negative mode here. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. Jesus stays on this negative edge to attract attention, to hold his audience. 
See, sometimes it's the, the sale of takeaway that really gets us to li- listen up. When God begins to talk about uh, thrown into the fire, again, we all just, whoa, I don't want to go there. Fire, ow, burn, no. Uh-uh. So what are we talking about here? So who does the picking up and the burning? The gardener. Jesus hints toward the last days, and it no doubt sends a shiver up their spine of his listeners, kind of like a campfire ghost story. And I'm sure everyone was silent after he shares this little note. However, the point is really the fact that those things not bearing fruit have no what? Purpose. That's right. They have no purpose. And so the gardener's walking around, well, what, what's that doing there? It's got to go. Now, see, you've got to be careful with this. Because once again, it's a parable, it's a, it's a teaching, and we can't get all theological when we start thinking about eternal destiny and things like that. But what we do need to take away is this one thought. Is that, folks, if we don't have purpose flowing out of our life, then we're not definitely going to be bearing fruit, and we also are in danger of being in the way. It's just lead, follower, get out of the way. And as a believer, my friends, if there's no purpose flowing in your life, then all you're doing is getting, you're, 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 you're tripping people up from doing kingdom things. You're, 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 you're in the way, and, you're, and I know that seems kind of hard, and it seems kind of insensitive, but these are the words of Jesus. He's trying to tell you how things are. That's the way it is. So the real point here is the fact that those things that are not bearing fruit do not have a purpose. Now, that's important for you to catch. Fruit bearing and purpose go hand in hand. Verse 7, and let's finish up. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. So now we come to the climax of Jesus' story here his analogy, the vine branches analogy. This is our takeaway this morning, Christians. And let's simplify it with an equation. I like doing that, little math guy. So let me help you. Belief in Jesus plus belief in his words equals answered prayer and a fruitful life that we will enjoy. Okay? Let's back up. Let's take it apart. Did you catch it? Belief in Jesus is not enough in our equation. And that's what Jesus is trying to get across. He says, guys, right now you're clean because you're listening. But you've got to remain in me. You've got to remain in me. That's why I'm using the whole vine branches analogy. That the branch, as long as it's staying connected to Christ, it will continue to bear fruit. It's going to continue to flow and grow. It's going to do exactly what I intended it to do. Now, i, I got to go a little deeper in here because I believe this is where most of the church is standing here today. It's where they're standing is there's a belief in Jesus. What was it? 70% of Americans will identify and say, yeah, I'm a Christian. And I've read on Facebook when all these different, you know, controversial things are coming up and people come up, well, look, I'm a Christian and I believe this. And I want to say this to them. Just because you say you're a Christian and you say you believe this, don't you understand that that actually discounts what you just said? Because what Jesus says here, hello, if my words remain in you, that's how you know what a Christian is. 
is you not just believe in the man, but you believe in his words. And you walk in those words. Remain in Jesus and in his life and his lifestyle and the words of truth and life. So it's what he's saying here. And I wonder sometimes if Jesus was sharing this knowing, he thought, how, Father, how are we going to be able to communicate something that's going to be able to be relevant through every culture, through every era, through every time, even this modern culture that I know that's ushering in the last times? What can we say that they will give it, get it even then? This story right here. We all observe it. There are still vines and branches in this world. We all see it going on every day. And he says, look, it's as simple as that. It's as simple as that. Stay connected to me and let my words flow into you as that sap of life because that's, that's what we, we need to understand. Now, he goes on to say here, and I love, this is my favorite verse for this part of it as, as in, and for this reason, and it's kind of selfish. But he says, ask whatever you wish. Notice that the fruit is connected to your need. Okay? The fruit is not pieces of wood. Well, what am I going to do with this? Little round balls of piece of wood. No, there's stuff you can do what? Eat. You can consume. It brings life. And so what he's saying is that is the kind of fruit that is going to come out of you. It's going to be something that you can consume. It's going to be something you can use. It's going to be something that's going to bring life to you and all of those around you. Belief in Jesus plus belief in his words is going to equal answered prayer and a fruitful life that we can enjoy. We've got to remain, folks. We've got to remain. We can't. We've got to stop bailing out on Christ. We've got to stop bailing out on his words. I, I think we all understand that the more we dig into the, the Sermon on the Mount, and which I encourage you to read again and again, because Jesus brought it together in, that, in those teachings there in Matthew chapter 5 through 7. He said, look, let me tie this all together for you. When we live there, and when we understand it and we apply it to our lives, folks, man, watch the fruit begin growing in your life. Watch it begin just bending over the branches of your life. That's the heart of God. Verse 8, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. Guys, showing yourselves to be my disciples. It's all about his and now our Father's glory. God says, look, I want to enjoy the vine. I want to enjoy the whole vineyard. I want to enjoy my people. And how does God get enjoyment? By watching you prosper. By watching you have so much fruit that you turn around and just say, God, you are so awesome that you did this in my life, that you're producing this in my children, that this is flowing through my finances, that this is working through the very cells of my body, that it's helping my mind stay strong in you, that it's helping me to resist evil and to say yes to your ways. I'm, I'm, I'm watching you, God, where money's coming for it. I don't know how I got it. I don't know how I got that job promotion. I don't know how you opened this up or opened that door. It's just you, all of you, because I've remained in him. 
that I have not bailed on him when things have gotten tough, that I haven't jumped or bitten into some weird philosophy or political following. It's just like, I'm not listening to you. I've got a vine, and his name is Jesus. And his words are the only words I'm going to listen to. His words are the only words I'm going to follow because he wants me to remain in him. Amen? So folks, look, this is not popular stuff. And Jesus said, look, they persecuted me. They're going to persecute you because you're walking as I did. And if you are not getting any persecution, it's not like you look like him. It's likely that you don't look like him at all or act like him. So if you're trying to not catch the heat, you don't want anybody picking on you on, on Facebook. You don't want anybody sending you mean notes. Is it because you're trying to avoid all that? Now, I, there, there's, there's times of wisdom I understand. But at the end of the day, I have to remain in him because that's where true fruitfulness will come. Don't fear what man can do. Don't fear what man can or cannot give to you because your blessings come from God. Now, he may use other people to do it, but don't honor that. Don't worship that. It's all about his glory. Because if, if God's not getting the glory, then that's not fruit. So how about you, my friends? How about you today as we finish? Is there enough about your life to convict you for being a disciple? Is there enough fruitfulness? Because we always look, well, and, and I want to share this with, with all of you in, in, in just a down-to-earth down way of, as much as I can. Is that here at Valley, it's my heart, and you know, I set the tone as the pastor here. I just do. And I'm very careful to watch what comes in and out of that door when it comes to philosophy of ministry, when it comes to theology, when it comes to doctrine. That's my job. Caretaker, shepherd at the door, okay? To watch over the sheep and to not let wolves in. And so I'm going to make this note. Look, we're not about religion here. I just wanna, want you to know that. There's, I mean, yeah, I know we've got their gold-plated things to hold the communion, but there's nothing in the gold. It just looks good. Okay, I mean, that's what they sell at the communion store. All right? I mean, I would just assume use wooden plates and wooden cups. I mean, so there's nothing to that at all. It's all about him. And if, not, if anything that we do is not connecting us to him, oh, man, you're going to watch me come in with the big old lopping things. Oh, man, that's, that's, not, that's not leading us to Jesus or the Father. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> And you're going to hear more about that in coming weeks. But if you've been here any time at all, it's about the Father getting glory and the fruit that comes from our life is a result of having an intimate, daily, remain-in-Him relationship that's real, that's down-to-earth, that is truthful, that is, you know, it's not putting on any airs. None of us are perfect here, and none of us are going to be more perfect than the other by doing anything religious, period period. It's what you do when no one else is watching. That's between you and God, by the way. But I want you to get this part. How do we know we're disciples? See, we're not fruit inspectors, none of us. 
but the Father is. And he's looking for fruit from your life. That, it, it is a, isn't it? I mean, that's, it is. So if, so here, here's, can I bring it to a close here? Folks, if you're not experiencing the kind of fruitfulness that, that when he says much fruit, be honest with yourself. Is there much fruit going on? If there's not much fruit, look, you got, you got only one way to go, and that's up. <laughs> and you've got only one way, more fruit is coming. And all he asks is, if you believe in Jesus Christ and you let his words be in you, you can ask whatever you need, whatever you wish. Love that word. He says, whatever you, whatever you need. And you know what? So I walked out in front of that little lake up there in northern Michigan. I said, God, I am taking you at your word because I believe in you and I believe in your words. And so, look, I got a list. I got some things I need you to attend to. And I, in not one sense did I feel God trying to rebuke me by the Spirit. And, and, and anyone say it's a word. What I felt was God saying, go for it. You can't wear me out. Because, now he may have said, now look, I want to bring some fruit in that area, but you got a little sucker growing on that part of your life. So we, we do need to remove that. Okay, yes, sir. Right? Because see, sometimes we're in worship. And, I love you, Lord. I'm ready to follow you in every single thing the Holy Spirit says. Every single thing. And that's the Holy Spirit's job. Holy Spirit's job. So, much fruit. That's the God, God's heart. So let me ask you, do you want much fruit in your life? Do you want that? Now, I mean, because if you don't want it, I understand. But <laughs> I don't think you'd be very smart in, that, in saying that. <laughs> because read the story again. Those things that are not bearing much fruit end up somewhere else. But we don't want to talk about that part. Because look, we believe him. Amen? Yeah. We are ready to tap into his words. Amen? Yeah. So then we're going to ask him whatever we need. So let's do that this morning. Amen?